Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code PULPMX. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOSports.com and ThorMX. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Before we get started on this podcast, just a warning. There is some F-bombs dropped in here. I was going to go back and edit them out, and then I forgot. So I just put this warning in instead. Much easier. So, earmuffs if you have children. F-bombs are coming. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by ThorMX. Thank you, BTOsports.com. Thank you, ThorMX. Check them out, ThorMX online. Uh, for the best deals, Ryan Villapoto, Martin Davalos, they all use Thor. Why don't you? And uh, btosports.com. Listen to the commercial. Uh, Did you really just name drop Martin Davalos? I just wanted to get that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just, no, he wears store. Just checking. All right. And uh, check the commercial and uh, save yourself some money at uh, btosports.com. We thank those guys for uh, coming on board and for, in a way, for making this show happen. That voice you heard was the 1990-125 East Coast Supercross champion, former factory Suzuki rider, former arena cross uh Dominator, let's say. Uh, the great Denny Stevenson. Denny, what's going on? What's happening? Thanks for having Welcome me Welcome to out. the studio. Thanks for having me to Vegas and uh, yeah. into your lovely studio and home. Um, you know, it's just a studio. Just Let's just call it a studio. A studio. It sounds cooler. Yeah, it's a studio. Um, it's pretty fancy. I like looking at all the memorabilia. We got uh, the Pulpomex show tonight, uh, but you're going to hear this much later than the show. So uh, some of these stories may cross over. Some of them may not. Now, you and I have done a career retrospective podcast. Many years ago. I don't even remember when it was, but I'm we've done sure. one. So check. You need to check the Steve Mathis Classics. We've uh, Archives. Archives. We have, uh, I have a career podcast with Danny Stevenson. The guy's done a lot in the sport. Won a title. Won races. And uh, had a good time doing it. So check out that if you want to hear all about Danny's career. Let's just say he should, when he broke his wrist, things started going downhill. Yeah. Yeah. Broke my navicular. Didn't quite. Uh... Yeah. Uh, fix it quietly, and then uh, just kept having fun. You know, I think I think yeah. I think I kept my rides longer than I should have, just because of being a a good, fun, marketable guy. You know, yeah, that's that, true. That well, no, ways. but we talked about this at lunch today. Yourself and Budman, you guys got you know back then motocross. There was uh, you know four factory teams, and you got one shot, and you were done. Ronnie Tishner, one and done, like never got another chance, despite being a top ten guy. I just did a podcast with Kalos, uh, podcast with Kalos. In 89, he got top 10 in 250 Supercross, 250 Nationals, and 500 Nationals. And that was it. He was dropped. <laughs> Never yeah. got another ride. Yeah, Back then, it was just... Being an also-ran wasn't quite as valuable as it is today. No, no. Guys, like, you know, if you got a top 10 in outdoors and Supercross today, you would be making pretty good... I mean, again, we're hurting as far as the night. You know, we're not where we were 10 years ago. Right, or we're five. St- or five years ago. But you're still making good money if you're putting in those results. Yeah, then I mean, if you're, you're if you're running top ten or tenth back then, 
That meant you were probably the last factory guy. Yeah, yeah, really, right? You know, there's only 12 spots really available. Yeah. Um, so this podcast is really going to focus because one of the things that Denny's great at is uh, stories. So we've rounded up a bunch of topics, um, jogged Denny's memory. I said his head a few times. Once I was right twice. by you when you had that seizure in Minneapolis after you crashed. That was a good I was, one. Uh, like two pit stalls over. Were you two, working with Birdwell then? Yep, I would have been Birdwell or Fernet. Maybe Birdwell was hurt, and I was just there with Fernet. He was there because I was sitting there. Uh, I crashed in practice. Yeah. Over it was uh, on a Honda. When I, was, when I was racing arena cross, yeah. I decided to go up. My dad and I went up to Minneapolis. It was close to the house, only six six hours or so, which is relatively close. Um, I crashed in practice. There was a section we were kind of jumping the first turn from a section of whoops. Yeah, and I got off on the side and. I went down, buried my head in the ground, didn't get knocked out, got up, sat in a hay bale for a while, kind of shake my, getting the cobwebs out, yeah. got back on my bike. You know, that's back when we pitted inside there in Minneapolis, yep. riding back to the pitch, and you kind of have that blurry spot that you kind of realize, oh, <laughs> I've got a concussion, uh, probably pretty much done for the day. Yeah. Told my dad that, got off the bike, and I'm sitting there in the pits. Next it was about to, 10 minutes after practice, huh? It was, yeah, 10, yeah. 15 minutes, yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's in front of God and country. Everyone's sitting there. Yeah. You know, everybody's yeah. in the pit area. And uh, I'm sitting next to Birdwell, actually, and Larry Ward. Okay, just, so you were sitting next to Birdwell, well, so that's who I was there with. That's kind of yeah. what I guessed, yeah. And, yeah. and he, I remember him, I don't remember him saying, but I guess, or he did, he asked if I was feeling okay. He said, you don't look very good, are you all right? Yeah. And I said, I think, and I said, about then, my eyes rolled back in my head, and I hit the deck and yeah. started basically flopping yeah. like a fish. Scary. <laughs> Scared the shit out of a lot of guys. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. I mean, I've known Larry for a long time, and Ty. And, you know, you just... You obviously have a family of motocrossers, yeah. and you see when your your guys go down like that right in front of everybody. I remember talking to Emig after the fact. I think they were up on a little upper deck right there. Yeah, the, the factory guys. guys got to go yeah. upper there. Yeah, and so they're all over the railing watching me, you know, on the ground yeah. with Roy Jansen grabbing my tongue or whatever the hell. Yeah, I obviously don't remember him. Um, I ended up hearing later from like Ed Longacre, who was a real good friend with my dad. They put me in the hospital, got me all or in the ambulance, yeah. got me all strapped down. And uh, I guess I sit up and just and rip all the straps off me, <laughs> and then collapse. And they and my dad goes to like move forward, I guess. And they grab my dad by the chest and push him down and say, "Sit down, we're losing him." Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, I don't know that part. And yeah. I never heard this from my dad. Yeah. I heard the story from Ed, and okay. he's like, "You freaked your dad the fuck out." Oh yeah. Basically. Wow. Yeah. And uh, the only thing I really remember is coming to you in the hospital. Um, you know, an emergency room, as you see in movies, you know, yeah. it's real dark yeah. and then the light starts opening up so yeah. and all the chaos running around you. And that was basically the emergency room. And, uh, it wasn't really the chaos for me at this point. I think I was, yeah. I had stabilized yeah, me yeah, yeah. and proceeded to tell me, I guess I was just real dehydrated. And when you hit your head, it'll make blood vessels pop. And that will make you end up having this turn Did into a seizure. Did you go drinking the night before, and that's why you were dehydrated? I'm sure I uh, – was probably the end of Arena Cross. <laughs> you know, so I'm pretty sure I probably uh, – we had a good celebration at right. uh, uh, you know, the final Arena Cross race. I'm sure yeah. we, we used to go up to Salt Lake to snowboard, and everybody else wanted to snowboard. And I'm like, screw it. I'll just hang out and drink and you know, enjoy the end of the season. The last thing I want to do is do more exercise. <laughs> no, so, I was a scary moment. So you know, you've hit your head a few times. So some of these stories, you know. Well, yeah, that's well, why I well, laugh about, you know, what? this whole NFL concussion thing. I, I, yeah. I can think of 13 since the age of about 10. Jeez, um, so yeah. I, I should probably sue somebody. Um, so let me know. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, uh, I uh, flew you out here to Vegas. You um, you've had a good time. I, I, I actually, my wife and I, this was a serious debate <laughs> the other yesterday. Do you think he's dead? <laughs> no, I don't think he's dead. He just hasn't. He, we were in mid-conversation. We just haven't checked in. He hasn't checked in. Well, my wife was like, okay, if he doesn't, if he didn't make it, is it your fault? I go, I don't think so because, yes, I flew him here. 
but it's not like I, you know. Oh, you know, it's funny. I just read something about this. That if you, I think if you're a, if you're a, a football or something, if you fly some somewhere and you put them up for something, oh, you. I just funny. You just bring that up. I actually just read this. Oh. Something. Then you have some type of responsibility. I think they're trying to talk about maybe with young young college players or yeah, something. Okay. You're responsible for their actions in a sense. Oh. So I don't know if that goes back to a 43-year-old adult as I am. I don't know <laughs> right, right. If that really falls point, back right, on you. Right. Uh, but my, I, I, was, uh, I was a little worried, yeah. But you you being the personable guy you are, you just met some people, struck up some conversation. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm out here using my son's phone, uh, which is a flip phone, and the battery seems to last about all of two hours. Mm-hmm. So um, I uh, went out the first night and ran into a couple gentlemen that were just uh, some hosts. I'm like, hey, what's going on? So they <laughs> took me out and uh, – I rolled home about 10.30 in the morning the other morning, and uh, I think we texted for a little while, and I left to go out again and meet some other new people, and my phone went dead, and we talked this morning. So about 36 hours. Yeah, we, yeah nothing, gone. Yeah. The last text I was to you, uh, do you want to go grab some dinner? And about then, I think I went to answer it, and my phone went dead. And I'm already I'm away <laughs> from the room. I, I don't have a charger in my pocket. You, and, uh, uh, you went to MGM. You went to an establishment. Uh, you went to um, – Aria? Did you go make it to Aria? I didn't make it. Okay. I, I went to Hooters. Hooters? Yeah, anything within, I, you know, I stayed at Excalibur, anything yeah. within walking distance <laughs> until I met these other guys and we rolled to the ballet and uh, right. went to the dance. And uh, it's been. Yeah, it's good times. I, it's Vegas. It's, I think I've always said when the lights don't come on and no one tells you to go home, right. I don't go well, home. Well, there was, there was a 10 a.m. departure from one place. Yeah, and well, the light, the sun was out. Yeah, you know, when you feel like a vampire, you walk outside. You're like, "Holy cow! How is it 10 a.m.?" And you're like, "Oh wait, I didn't really go out till well, midnight." I'm glad you made it. I'm, I did not. It's my once a year. You know, I used to come here three times a year with Smith. Uh, oh yeah. You know, or when I raced, or mm-hmm. um, or even when I was doing the manager stuff, I would come for the World Mini, yeah. the Supercross, and then the U.S. Open. Yeah. So I've had my share of Vegas. So I haven't been here. I came here last year. Yeah, Great Western Bank. Team reunion. Yeah, that was kind of a mellow one. This time I said, screw it, let's blow the doors off. Um, what Did you get good reaction from that Great Western Bank team? We we got yourself, Dave Castillo, and Buddy Antonis in studio. We called Factory Phil on the phone. You know, time. I don't, yeah, I think it went over really well. I don't, you know, I don't go to the races too often, yeah. so I don't really see people that crowd. It, but man. I think uh, with the social media, people enjoyed it. And, you know, you get the, us, that kind of character together. It, and it, you got to play off each other. You know, I've always yeah. said that when you get Fro and I together. We're like an old vaudeville couple. Yeah, you know, yeah. We can literally just start <laughs> spinning the yarn and tagging off each other's stories and stuff, and it just kind of goes on and on. Funny that, like, the team that was – like, I was on PJ1 Yamaha team. No one talks about that team. Like, it's not, like, regarded and as – And it was some, the same exact time, yeah. Yeah, teams have come – there's been teams coming and going, and I think I brought this up on that show, but for some reason, Factory Phil killed it that year. He got it. You guys had a jet with Castillo. Yep. Uh, yourself and Budman were good riders. Budman got fourth in 125 Outdoors. Yep. And it had to be one of the most successful privateer programs. Somehow ever. that team is remembered very fondly. It's some quiet characters. You know, I think, uh, you know, Jimmy Button is uh, is definitely a good character, but I think they kind of dropped off with Corey Keeney and Kalos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're yeah. Corey's. My guys, my riders. Yeah, your riders, pretty right. much. Yeah. Um, that would explain a lot of it. <laughs> but, yeah, people dug it. And, uh um, well, you haul around in a big hauler. Remember, like I said, the, yeah. like, that story, you got the stereo cranked. People are rocking out. Everybody's coming over. We're throwing about everything we got in the truck away <laughs> yeah. before we realize we have to reorder everything now for the next race between right. gear and plastic. Oh. So, you know, we, I think we kind of did it the way, you know, Carrie and those guys did with their team originally. You know, yeah. you, if you make a show, yeah. people are going to recognize and remember you, you know, and yeah, before. Think, when it was cool. And then we were getting results too, you know. I mean, Budman um, crushed it, and so did Phil. Phil caught everybody by surprise. What are you doing nowadays? 
Uh, construction. You know, doing. Uh, I teamed up with a buddy of mine where we uh, we deal we build decks on new homes, mm-hmm. and we branched off into siding, uh, not aluminum, but like uh, concrete lap siding. I know the Omaha, the housing industry has just exploded. Go figure. You know. So I don't, they can't seem to put, we work with like two, three builders and they love us and they can't seem to put them in the ground fast enough. So, um, it's been very nice. Been, it's been, been very lucrative and productive where for a while there, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. Right. Right. So you sort of found a, a niche. You found a, found a, a yeah. home uh, a little bit. A buddy of mine, like, uh, I was roommates with, um, was a framer and said, uh, Hey man, why don't you start framing with me? I'm like, okay, I got nothing else going on right yeah. now. It was after I got laid off doing the stuff that managerial stuff with Bob. Yeah. And um, I'm like, okay, let's try it out. And I enjoy being outside. You know, grew up being yeah. an outdoor kid. My dad was a framer construction, so I can appreciate the art of that. Oh, um, I didn't know. That. I didn't know Don did it too. Yeah, he's oh, a, okay. he was a constru- he was a framer. He built our house as I had as a kid. Oh, okay. Um, he became a cabinet maker with that business, and then obviously when it, when my career started picking up, him not being around as yeah. much, he couldn't really do the regular forty hour a week job or fifty sixty hours a week. But uh, yeah, I mean, but I never had picked up a power tool pretty much. I can tell you that. So it's definitely been a learning experience, but I've been doing it now for what, three years. And, um, you know, it's people, you know, you hook up with the right people and right friends and right. I've definitely just enjoyed it. And you, you, uh, you worked at Smith, uh, goggles for a while. Then you became a, a manager uh, yeah. with Bob Walker. What did you like being a manager? Did you, you like it? You know, I, I, I'm such a fan of the sport. Yeah. You know, I can't ever say you that are, enough. you are a big fan. I, mean, yeah, I really you follow it. You're I really it, enjoy yeah. it. And, um, I felt that, you know, I never really wanted to get into teaching schools, writing schools. I just yeah. didn't really. But this was a sense with when I did the managerial stuff was kind of, it was not Macy, you know, not so much of just trying to give him the better money and the best deal, but just kind of, you know, I enjoyed working with Josh Grant and Trey Kennard, mm-hmm. both young guys, both polar opposites. And I felt like I could kind of just guide them with a little bit of my knowledge of the sport, mm-hmm. my knowledge of friends. You know, we talked about, you know, get them invested with the right investors, the right insurance people, you know, stuff. Yeah. yeah. That Stuff you never did either. Stuff like, wasn't yeah. around for me, but right. you know my friends like Emig and, and and old friends like uh, Wardy and, and RJ and stuff. Yeah. And seeing how their careers went, and how they handled themselves, and how where they are today. Why not? And and have those type of guys I can fall back on and say, hey, this is what they did. Yeah. And tell Ricky or, or uh, Trey or Josh at the time, and I enjoyed that side of it for a lot. And you know, uh, the Smith thing was a lot of fun. I enjoyed. It. I still wish you know if things worked out, I'd probably still be there today. Yeah. But um, it was something different. I think I was just kind of going stagnant, doing the goggle thing, and wanted yeah. something a little different. And the, the managerial deal thing came, kind of fell in my lap. You know, you, you've got a you've got a, a kid now too, which in your you and your ex both in Omaha. So hard for you to leave to go to SoCal and yeah, like you know, get a moto industry job. Like yeah, there was no way. You know, that was the only way it was going to really work. I, I yeah. lucked out with Smith. Right. Um, I was getting ready to maybe look for something else, and Mark Ferris was like, "Hey, you know what?" Uh, we don't want to lose you. I'm sure you don't want to lose us. Let's try this. I think they're yeah. closing their offices in Southern California. Yeah. You know, why not just move back? Everything's done with phones and everything yeah. anyway. So, so I moved back to Omaha. And then by pure coincidence, you know, Bob, I grew up with Bob Walker. He's from Omaha as okay. well. So he had no problem with me living in Nebraska. Yeah. But like you said, when I, uh, when things kind of were, I was looking for something else to get back and yeah. keep that track going. Yeah. You know, I talked to like Roger and those guys at MSR and Tucker. I mm-hmm. think they were looking for an amateur support guy there for a while. Yeah. And they're like, dude, the only way this is going to work, you'd have to move out here. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I just wasn't willing to move anywhere where my son wasn't going to be. And, yeah. And in all aspects, it's given me a new benefit. I'm home every weekend. Yeah, yeah. I definitely don't miss the travel. You know, I've talked right. to you. I've known you for years. You know, Berluti, uh, Lee McComb, all these guys yeah. I've known for years. And they're just like, man, I love that, love what I do. Yeah. But this travel is just intense. Yeah, it's, it is. It is. There's a, 
I could see in the I could see my near future. I'm not traveling as much for sure. Like right. Next year, year after, sure. But man, I'm getting up to be 40, and I, I still want to spend. It's, on the, it's I don't brutal. Wanna, I've been doing it since 1996. Yeah, like <laughs> it's intense. I mean, you definitely are. You're probably. Uh, uh, Excuse me, you're probably uh, an executive at all the levels. Yeah, of a yeah, but that's not good. That's not. What a, is that? That's not a good thing to no, have. No, it's not. It's not. Um, well, that's good. Uh, a little bit of what you're doing now. Do you ride much? I have not. No. I, uh, you know, I, I race. So no comeback. Nothing. You know, I enjoyed when I came back and did Loretta's. I think in 06, yeah. 07, I think it was, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I hadn't been on a bike at all prior. I think I rode some pit bikes, you know, yeah. with Smith, and uh, I went and did some parts limited ride days up in the UP, and really enjoyed that, but. Once I kind of got back to Nebraska, my buddies talked me into it, and Storm Lake Honda, my friend over there, gave me a bike to ride. And yeah. So the first year, I'm like, screw it, I'm going to go to Loretta's. And I worked for Smith, and so we kind of, I was already going to be down there with yeah. Wobbles, and Wobble would be my mechanic, and I uh, had someone else bring my bike down. Or no, I threw it in the, in the Smith truck. And didn't take it serious at all, just had a yeah. good time. Right. Well, then you start, your ego starts getting away. You're getting beat by Keith Johnson and Treadwell, <laughs> and guys that you grew up racing with yeah, and beating yeah. is, is when yeah, you're younger. You were used to beat, yeah. And you're like, you know, just screw this. I want to do better next year. So my buddy Chris Hunter Cog, you know him, yeah. a mechanic, he started working my bikes. We got, we hopped up, and the next year we had a 450 and made it just super <laughs> modified. And then the thing broke at my qualifier and I, at the regional, and I only had qualifying for one class. And then he sent me down to Loretta's, and I'm not that great a mechanic. And uh, so I just went down with a buddy of mine, my uh Still so with Michelle and I was together. We went down with our son and stepson, yeah. or my stepson, and another family, Mikey Weiss and his family. So there was like eight of us in a big concept hauler. They gave us the Boyle gave us one to go down okay. there with, and it just became took all the fun out of it. You know, it's like man, yeah. I'm just taking this way too serious. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I'm getting taking it. I'm getting too bummed out when I'm not doing well. Right. And I literally drove home from Loretta's, parked my bike, uh, rolled with Mike Weiss back to drop off the truck to factory concepts yeah. or uh, whatever the hell it was, and uh, said thank you. And our concept haulers. Concept haulers, yeah. And uh, parked the bike. That was it. And that was it. <laughs> and never went, rode a bike again until I got that call from uh, uh, Andrew Fredrickson over at Racer X saying, hey, we're doing the Cowie show up at Millville. Yeah, which a couple I years ago one now. Of, yeah. one, of your, one of your close by tracks. Would you yeah. come up? And I'm like thinking, well, I haven't been on a bike in about five years. So yeah. this should be interesting. But okay, I'll be there. <laughs> and it was a couple of the best days I've had on a dirt bike. Yeah, and, all uh, catered. And here's a new bike. And, yeah. you know, ship sent me some bitch and new grad yeah. gear. And I'd like to, I felt like I was, you know, some photos showed up. I had a great time. And I have not, I've ridden one since. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. Some guys just let it go. Some guys let it go. That's it. They're done. So other guys can't. They got to keep riding. If you're Rhino, you got to keep taking people out at Glen Ellen just, on a weekly basis. You, just, you can't get rid of it. You know, I, I follow the sport. I probably follow the sport as much yeah. more than anybody. No, you're gnarly you know? that way. Yeah. But uh, as far as just getting on the bike again, you know, I think you just get to the point where you realize that you've done enough. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's fun, but so you don't miss it. Like I don't. You, you know, like you don't uh, miss well, it. if you you know sit back and you know the, the actual riding part of it, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the, yeah. the racing and stuff, but. Uh, you know, I'm a firm believer. You just keep the ball rolling and keep moving forward and yeah, whatever yeah. you're doing. So, you know, I'll sit at home. And, you know, and plus, when you watch, if I'm, I only race, I watch her. Yeah. The badasses, <laughs> and you look and go, man, they're badasses. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I definitely don't forget, miss that burn at the end of 25, 30 minute photo. Yeah, you know, when yeah. you see these guys dying on the on the podium and stuff, and you're going, man, yeah. I don't miss that at all. What was your best ever outdoor finish? Um. I ran fourth or fifth a few times at like yeah. Troy and Unadilla tracks. I think where you could get a good start. Yeah, you could gap everybody because the way the track kind of yeah, spread yeah. everybody out real quick. Yeah. Um, and then I got a third that year at, at Hangtown in the mud, the rain. Oh, you did in that, that year, year, the '91. When, when One won. moto. I could yeah, Doug and uh, I think I, I was up front most of the race, and I could see Doug and Budman right in front of me. Budman got second. Budman got oh, second. I didn't know that. Okay. And it is you know obviously. How did Budman five foot nothing 
on the, in a mud race. He just was pinning it. I mean, he, I think he blew by me one time, just sideways, <laughs> feet off the pegs, you know. And I think Talon Volan had passed me, and then his bike yeah, blew up. Vol- yeah. And I didn't wear any plastic or anything. You know, I didn't wear, uh, you know, I just wore my regular yeah. gear. Yeah. I remember my dad saying, don't wear any plastic stuff. You'll probably overheat. Overheat, yeah. I went in, I think I had hypothermia. I, teeth were chattering. <laughs> I was literally soaking wet. I remember seeing right. Budman and Doug right there. I can see, I'm just too cold. You know, and, and you were literally, I think, just one uphill and downhill separated us. And um, It was insane because it would be like every lap going across to the next valley. Just the, the hang first, on. Yeah, the first just, lap, you know, you come in and you're not, that, that big waterway that was there kind of yeah. at a start. And you just went in the front, front, the front of your bike with hydroplane. Yeah. And then it would drop and you'd go, and then you hydroplane and then your feet are out. Yeah. And it was one of the craziest things. And I'll never forget the beginning of the race. All mechanics were trying to debate on how to keep water out. Yeah. Let's duct tape up the air box. Yeah, Let's try yeah. and keep as much water out as possible. And my dad's like, you know what? Who's my mechanic time? Yeah. Screw it. We're going to leave everything open. Let the thing drain. Okay. And yeah. I think Berluti even told him that. You know, or maybe Berluti and my dad talked, and yeah. Berluti was Bud Man's mechanic. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I think that's how our bikes survived, you know, because we didn't. Yeah, because everybody else was trying to keep it out, but it was going to get in no it's matter what. It's getting anyways, yeah. and it's going to fill up then, and yeah. then you're just going to suck water. Oh, and yeah, I remember yeah. my dad showing me the, uh, you know, the carburetor and into the head, and it was just a dirt just... mud trail right into <laughs> that thing. So I guess it was still a minor say, miracle third we survived. Place. Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, it was, I think I got 20, 40 points. I think 20 points that day. Yeah, know. yeah, it was yeah. Right, one, one moto. Um it was the coldest race I've ever been. Was on. it really? I'd yeah. Never forget that. Yeah. Right. Chill to the bone, as they say. Um, so you you uh, you won your you, Kawasaki. You came in as Team Green guy, eighty eight, eighty nine. That's when you first started making making uh, noise. Ninety, you get a factory Suzuki ride. What's your salary? Eighteen grand. You wearing MSR gear? MSR gear. Like I said, I think we were talking okay. earlier about some of the pictures. Of eight, eight grand. Probably eight. I think I was getting like four on a mini yeah. bike. I think from the uh, the Supercross title. Uh, came pretty easy for you. You pretty dominated. Yeah, did you I, have any idea you would dominate that much? Like, were you? You know, like, it, did you you lost one race, two races? Well, I, it was eight eight of eleven that year. Okay, first race I crashed, and Craig landed on me, and then this yeah, there's east west east west too. East west on, yeah. was it back then. Yeah, oh. Craig, uh, another one of Froze swirling dervishes. He swerved off a triple, and I came up short and got landed on. And I think I went out and won the next eight. I think the, all of the rest of them are. The, yeah, and then I crashed again at Oklahoma City, right? And then didn't ride LA, so I think those were the eleven. I think so. It was a good year. I mean, yeah, it, it kind of comes to that thing when you just you know I, I grew up winning locally, and you know as any kid was kind of yeah. once they turned yeah. pro, and I just felt it was my time. You know, I went from fifth to third, from eighty eight to eighty nine. Yeah, everyone had ever beat me with you know Kudrowski and Bradshaw beat me the year before. They, they were left. gone. Yeah. Well, in my mind, I'm the next guy then, so you don't even, you know, the bikes it were so It was natural, good. yeah. It just natural progression, I think, you know. You were on perhaps the largest factory team ever. Yourself, Tishner, Cooper, Budman. Yeah, I see the team picture. I think there's 15 of us. I think they got, I think they got a deal by buying in bulk. Uh, I'm really, I'm blanking. Say that again. Larry Ward, LaRocco. What are you at six right seven. now? Seven. I'm at seven. And Talon, I think Talon was. Was Volan? No, he was a Cowie guy. And Buell was like a factory support guy. Okay. Because but Buell, I don't think the picture I saw, Buell was even in it. Yeah, because originally Cooper? I, I had signed with Honda. Yeah, that was a weird, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd told that story. Yeah, I'd signed with Honda. For 90. For 90. I'd, I had two offers, Suki and Honda. And I think the Honda's like, hey, you know, it's Honda. Yeah. Let's, let's go with them. So I went with them. And then that's about the same time uh, Bale was going to come over. Yeah. And, and I, I believe Craig was also signed. For Honda. Craig was signed, and they totally just got rid of the 125 program. 
and uh, in a sense, and uh, and that was all the money for bail. Yeah. And Greg, they really after you. They kind of did, I guess. Well, not really, because I went to Suzuki and it was, um, yeah, you know, bikes true. were great and it turned out great. Uh, in '90, you had Hannah as a rider manager. Heben was team manager. Right? Yeah, boy, and I remember it, getting yelled at a lot by Heben. Me and Budman always got yelled at. <laughs> How was Hannah, though? You know, he he was kind of the guy who just, you know, we were 125 guys. Yeah. Who the fuck are you? Basically. Yeah, yeah. We're just, you guys are nothing. <laughs> you're so insignificant. You're, a, you're basically a, amoebas. And, uh, but that's when, you know, Cooper was, uh, I remember one time we were testing it. I think I, I told this story one time, but at Carlsbad. You've told a lot of the story. Yeah, Don't worry about it. It's we're fine. at Carlsbad. We're going up the hill. Yeah. And Cooper and Hannah are there with my dad as I'm testing. And they're like, is he turning the throttle all the way open? <laughs> and, I, and my dad's like, I don't know. I assume he is, right? <laughs> right, you know, he, right. Like, you, you put He's, the gas all the way to the pedal all the yeah, way to the floor, and it right. goes faster. They come to me at the end of pre- that test session. I'm like, well, I do, I do this. And I'm, you know, showing say with my hand. I'm like, and they're like, well, you're not going all the way. You're not opening the throttle all the way. Yeah. I'm like, oh, really? I, well, I, you know, it's open. Isn't that enough? <laughs> I don't understand. I, I, you mean, oh, the way, oh, if I turn the throttle even more open, does the bikes go faster? Well, you'd think I would know this by the time I'm a 90s Supercross, you know, factory rider. No, but are you saying, okay, are you saying so? I didn't re-grip. I would oh, just open it. Oh, I see. It. So your wrist, you're open as far as your wrist would go. I would just open it, yeah. You know, I wouldn't re-grip the old Bailey door handle yeah, kind of deal. Yeah. I went to enough schools, you think I would have known that, but I didn't. I would just open it up as fast until it was, until my wrist was locked. Right. It's not enough, so they actually think I, I they put it. a different slide and everything, and so that was enough. So I didn't so have to regret. Start, yeah, it would it start would, sooner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess it, so. Hannah taught me that, and Cooper. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I know the story we're telling is earlier. He holding it open? It's even is that thing? Rev, it doesn't sound like it's revving out all the way. <laughs> That's probably why I only have the throttle two thirds open. This is when you're a factory rider. <laughs> factory rider, you think I'd have this <laughs> right. already figured out by now? But uh, yeah, I mean, the most memorable moment with with Bob was when uh, we, you know we're testing. We stayed the week in Southwick. Yeah. And uh, this is when Coop is getting close to wrapping up his championship or battling for it, obviously, very yeah. uh, intently. And Bob was faster than everybody. You really? Know, he was faster than everybody at Southwick. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and he had re- his last race was 89. But he'd only for a few years, he'd done only one or two races a few year. A few races, done yeah. Unadilla yeah. and stuff. And uh, you, what year did they do donations at Unadilla? 87. 87. Yeah. And he rode a 125 then. Yeah. So yeah. he obviously knew how to still turn so the he, thing But he, in, in 1990, he was faster than Tishner, faster Cooper. Than- Everybody, everybody, everybody. The team, Wardy or Larry, you know Larry, Larry uh, yeah. Morocco, you know yeah. they're all right. One twenty-five. I guarantee you, if we were to call Larry Ward, Larry would deny that. Uh, yeah, well, he didn't like Bob. I don't think. I don't no. think he and Bob liked each no. other much. You I don't know. Think so. Yeah, I think they're trying to compete. Who had prettier hair at that time? And I, <laughs> Larry didn't like that. But, but Hannah was faster. Yeah. Hannah was faster, yeah. and he would chase us around. And basically, you know, we do motos, um, which was cool. You know, because and Bob would start at the back and literally pass his way up to the front. And <laughs> one of the last days, um, when the coup stopped, ran the other way. That downhill sweeper kind of jumps down towards the start. There was a jump there. Uh-huh. Cooper goes down. Bob jumps on Guy. Almost ruins the rest of his season. And um, Cooper toughed it out because he was a badass and obviously won the national title. But, yeah, when the coach is faster than the rest of the team, that's probably. And would he was he, a, a, you know, in typical Hannah style, was he brash about it? Was he? I think to him it did. It was just, yeah, hey, I'm supposed to be faster than you. But you and him got along good? Yeah, I yeah. guess you know. Yeah. I mean, he obviously he was. We just saw a photo of he was watching Daytona talking with to me. You. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I don't ever remember having anything but just utmost respect for the guy right. at the time. Right. Why, and why your dad, would... if you spoke out on him, your dad would beat you down probably. Yeah, I mean, that's probably obviously one of my dad's biggest heroes growing up. He was probably more in awe, and pre- just probably working at the bike, just salivating. There's Bob <laughs> just, Hanna, just thinking of Hanna. Yeah. So, um, you went to Cooperland one time with Coops. Yep, in and... ninety. That's around that same time, I think. Um, you know, guy was one of the guy, one of the type of people that. Um, 
come one, come all. You know, yeah. always we want everybody to come hang out. And he had so much stuff down there. And so me and Budman, maybe Buell and Bale. Um, but what, what strikes me as weird, though, is him and Bale are battling for the title. It might have been. What year did? Uh, in 90. 91 maybe then. 91 was, uh, yeah, Bale was on 250s. Yep, but in 90, been. Bale rode 125 Nationals. It might have been 91 then because that might have been when obviously okay. they had respect for each other. Battled it out. Because if Bale hadn't broken his arm in Washougal, yeah, he Washugal probably would have won the title. Yeah. He went over the bars in those whoops. Coop's title would not be. Right. And so he probably felt that. You know, Bale was, I think, just trying to get along with anybody because yeah. no one liked him. <laughs> I mean, just, I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. No, Bale no. just, you know. The, Will you hang out with me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, someone went to, I'll come to Oklahoma. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we ended up at Coop's house. And Guy literally had us on a bike from sunup to sundown, whether it be a bicycle a motorcycle on his motocross track, his supercross track, his hybrid supercross motocross track. Yeah. On trials Tri- bikes. Yeah. Uh, we'd ride 10 speeds at night uh, in this little game trying to knock each other down. Um, yeah. yeah. We, it was insane. You know, he was such an enthusiast, and obviously he still is still today. Is, he's just yeah. over doing that donation, as Julia right. said. And it was probably one of the most entertaining value. You know, he's he's out there gone. He's trying to tell. He's trying to teach us how to work a dozer. Work. Hey, build this jump. Let's do anything. Just yeah, such it, an enthusiast, just, man. Yeah. And I remember Budman getting on a trials bike and trying. He had a car, beat up cars. So we're trying to ride to yeah. bike over a car. Right. And Budman gets on top of this car and just goes sideways and just launches the trials bike. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not going off the side of the car. You know, yeah. Budman, twenty yeah. year old brass California kid. Coop was heartbroken. Like <laughs> bent the bars and the thing and everything. It's like. You could have just rode it off the car. You didn't have to throw the bike. <laughs> <laughs> and you said Bale was cool. And Bale was great, you know. And then uh, he was always very nice yeah. to me and my dad. You, you know, like, yeah, I don't mind this guy. I like, hey man, I, I get along with this guy. And uh, you know, I Jeff, uh, I didn't, I knew Stan, but Stan was pretty much kept to himself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Bale was cool. And I, you know, I don't care if he was French or not. When you were winning the Supercross title in '90, I imagine like uh, Wardy, R.J. Bale, those guys were. Like you were looked upon as the next kind of the next guy. Like you were going to come up. Were they cool to you? Were they all? Yeah, you know, I mean, I had a, a past a history with Wardy through Chicken. Uh, you okay. know, grew up when I was yeah. on Team Green Kid, kind of eight eighty nine. They well, that's um, true. You but you would have been at Race of Champions and all that. Yeah, stuff. when yeah, they yeah. were. So I I do Wardy. You know, um, you know Wardy and Chicken were uh, training with Spencer. Yeah. At the time, um, I was kind of, you know, like I was kind of like the little brother. So they kind of yeah. included me in everything. You know, even though I was a factory support guy in eighty nine, I rode Supercross and Nationals for. A factory sport Cowie program yeah. type thing was always at the Cowie track and stuff. So those guys were always cool. Those 89 Cowies were slow. Oh, uh, I had one. I was so slow. You're 125 or yeah, 225. You know, back my that single day, radiator. Yeah, they were really ugly looking too. They were. Yeah, but I think I'm pretty sure I had. They were DMC bikes for me yeah, back then. You didn't have that problem. That guy can make some. some I sent my my dad. My dad roar. sent my cylinder and head to Pro Circuit. and We got it back and. I, it didn't feel any different. Any different. I still bug Mitch about that. I'm like, what, what'd you do? <laughs> who would have done that, the motor grinder back then? Oh, who been, knows? Could have been Jimmy Perry or Mitch. Been, I think it was Jimmy. One play. of those two. Yeah, I think you should blame Jimmy on that I, one. For I, I sure. have tried. I've tried. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so you knew Wardy. Yeah, so they were cool. Yeah. You, know, they're, you know, they would kind of, and Chicken obviously was battling for the title at that time and stuff. And, uh, you know, years later, I talked, you know, with or RJ at the time, he was my hero. Um, you had a red bandana like him, like yeah. Like, when I was a kid, man, when he read when he was a Yamaha JT yellow yeah. gear, and he wore the red bandana, I remember telling my mom, "Give me a red bandana, mom. I'm gonna <laughs> rock that thing." So she went and bought me like three red bandanas, um, and then he ran, you know, the the Life's of Beach bomb shorts over over his pants in the Rube Deal Cup. Yeah, um, mom, uh, I need those those, I those, those, shorts. Uh, those bomb shorts. They had bomb shorts, Jetsons. They had because uh, I had a pair of the a mint green Boy Elroy trunks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I don't know how they got that. Deal. Um, yeah, how did they the licensing deal? Yeah, I think they were. You, they might have been stealing. There's that. no way they paid. Yeah, there's no way they paid Hanna Barbera. Hanna Barbera. No for, way uh, for Jetsons. Uh, there's no way. <laughs> no way. I didn't um, think of that until just now. No, but uh, and they had money shorts, with bills yep, on them. Yep. I had them all, and they were like seventy five dollars Canadian back then. Well, for a pair of shorts, yeah, you had to do a lot of importing up there. Oh, yeah. I was, but I was, I had to have them because RJ. Uh, same here. Yeah. You know, so you know, growing up as a hero of his or a hero of mine, and you were and, a hero of his. I'm certain I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's be honest, I was winning right. one twenty five class. He never run one twenty five supercross. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a whole new thing for him. You had titles he didn't. Yeah, shit, he never knew. Uh, but, yeah, I, I remember, you know, you start winning and you get in a role and you get used to winning. And I remember it was just one race and my dad and I, he came up to me. He felt that we didn't really celebrate as, as much. We, this is a 90. Was yeah, a, as yeah. much as he'd seen us celebrate maybe the right. first few wins of them sitting on the line, you know. Um, he's seen us kind of just pull off and nod and I think assumed that we belonged and that was it. And yeah, I yeah. remember RJ telling my dad, hey, you celebrate every last, every win like it's your last. Right. You, know, you don't know when the streak's going to end. Enjoy it. Don't think you des- oh, Which, don't think you deserve these. You've earned these, so if enjoy this is, it. If this is ninety, RJ knows because his winning days are over from a wrist, just like that. Yeah, like you know. they were. He won everything until you know, and, he broke his wrist. Yep, and it could, and yeah. that's kind of what happened with me in a different sense, in a right. smaller sense. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know. So, and you know, especially that's why I was enjoyed about the sport motocross, supercross. You, you genuinely you meet your heroes, and they're just as badass as you ever had them in your head. Yeah, yeah. you know, between dog, not always though, not always, not always. No, and that's true in many things, I guess. But yeah. you know, ninety-nine, I'd say ninety-nine percent of the guys I've ever met in moto that I admired. Some I, guys talk shit on you on message boards. I'm sure. Other, well, other names. I'm, it's probably you actually <laughs> just trying to stir the shit up. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, I dig it. You know, those guys are cool. Um, now I've heard this story from. Um, I've heard this story from Dogger before, and it was hilarious. And I thought he maybe was making some of it up. But you were there. You were a witness to this. Uh, Ronnie didn't like testing. So tell the story at Cowie Track. You're 88, 89? It's such a great story. 88, yeah, 89, it's, it's somewhere, yeah, probably 80, 89. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, it's got to be probably 89. You're fresh from Nebraska. Yeah, it might have been 88 even, yeah. I, mean, okay. I, was, I was just you know living with chickens uh, with his family, Metaskis' family. Um, not really living, but spending winters out there in the California yeah. during California time when it's cold as hell in Nebraska. And I go out to the Cowie track to test one day with them, and and uh, no, there's no dogger. You know, it's yeah. just me, I think, chicken and Wardy. And here comes dogger, like, you know, two hours later or something, and uh, we're all sitting around the cooler, you know, drinking water, and I'm getting ready to go back out or something, and He's like, oh, they're like, well, where the hell you been? He's like, oh man, I don't, you know, some excuse. Then, yeah, yeah. Who knows? He's yeah. like, oh, you know what, you guys, man, I don't have my boots. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> and Tur- Roy Turner is a team manager. Calgary at the time's like, uh, no, you're not. And he tells Rick Ash, who I think, the motor suspension yeah. guy, uh, hey Rick, go to go find a dealership and find Ronnie some boots. Yeah. So he leaves the track. Knowing full well that Corona back at that time, I don't think it was quite the hotbed of motocross yeah, yeah. it is today. Right. And Ronnie being a size 12 or 13, right. which is obviously a pretty big ass motocross boot. So about an hour later, Rick comes back shaking his head, no boots. Went to all the dealerships. Ronnie's couldn't... been sitting there at the, you know, watching us all ride. Yeah. Probably with his shirt off tanning. <laughs> and uh, proceeds to get up and say, All right, see you guys. I'm out of here. And as he's walking towards the gate, uh, Roy Turner yells at him, Hey, Ronnie, come piss in this cup. Yeah. And he's like, Fuck you, Turner. Find me. <laughs> and I'm like, holy, is this really happening? Right. Is this real? I, this is, this is, this, that's like, that'd be like, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. I, that's, yeah. it'd be like, tell my dad to fuck off. Right. You know, yeah. That's yeah. not happening. Yeah, he'd, just... ki- he'd kill me. Right. And, uh, 
about an hour later, two hours later, here he comes blowing up the 15, uh, honking at us, and he's got his big monster truck and his boat on back. And I well, guess it turns out it was a new boat or something. Yeah, the, his boat had come in, and he didn't want to test. He scheduled the test, but he really wanted to hit the water, he said, because his boat had come in. And why not? So his plan, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to forget my boots, and then they'll just let me go. I'll go get my boat, and I'll go out in the water all day. All right. Yeah. And it, and it, and it, 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 it took a little while longer because Rick had to go look for boots. Yeah, I mean, it probably delayed a little bit, but I'm sure he was right on the water within, yeah. within not long after. Yeah, he said as he drove by, he was honking. Yeah, and, and it's true, man. I mean, <laughs> you think you build these these stories up in your head, you know, after all the years, yeah. and then you hear everybody else just say, yeah, man, that's exactly how uh, I'd heard it or had, had seen it. You also got another Ronnie Machine one from Europe, a Europe, European Supercross. There's, yeah, there's a lot with Ronnie. That was one of the things that, uh, you know, to be around him with Chicken and, and to actually experience some of these chaotic moments you know yeah. when he i think we're over in geneva supercross uh you know it's the european supercross in the winter i'm pretty sure he was riding for tough at this time i think he'd already uh broke his leg and broke all that, his yeah. leg kind of was off the map and he shows up everybody knew he was coming and he shows up late it's his gear bag had had not shown up he had no gear he had no suspension yeah he lost his suspension he, already, he was late for he practiced already ran <laughs> uh so we're getting ready for the night program at this point he had not ridden this motorcycle right. ever and uh, he borrows gear. I think he's in like a white cue ball helmet from somebody he borrowed and some mismatched gear. Rides the heat race as practice, just yeah, kind of rides just... around. Goes out to the semi. And I think that's kind of back when you even, I think everyone rode heats and semis. Yeah, yeah. Even if you won your heat, you went to a yeah, semi. He's, yeah, European. Proceeds promoters. to smoke the semi after four laps of practice. Right. And, and then. Who's there? Yourself, Craig, Craig Chicken. Chicken, I think, you know, Lampson's there. Okay, you know, Lampson. the peak of his. Bud, man, I'm sure he's yeah. there. You know. <laughs> Uh, we, All should good not, we should not be getting beat by right. by you know Ryan's phenomenal. He is, but he's off the radar at this point. Yeah, now. yeah, he hasn't been racing competitively uh, really. Yeah. yeah, and so he sh- then the main event comes and he smokes it. I don't even see him. Bone he, stock he, bike, whole shots at the race. I don't even see him. He's gone. I'm back <laughs> battling the pipe for fourth and fifth. Right. And I hear my dad tell me later because I hear the crowd screaming and yelling. Like, what were yeah. they screaming and yelling about? He said there was a big steep finish line jump. You know, kind of like they have in Europe, where they have like a, a yeah. pre-jump over a tabletop. And the promoter had told everybody before the night started that if you can touch this blow-up bottle of champagne we're going to have hanging from the rafters, you can, we'll give you one of those gigantic European bottles. Okay. Well, I guess while Ronnie's <laughs> out front smoking everybody, he's seat bouncing the son of a bitch trying to touch the bottle <laughs> and flatlining the jump. Right. And uh, leave it to Ronnie. He's about six, you know, six three, six four. Yeah. He stretches out one lap, I guess, my dad said, and, and hits the bottle. And the place just – While ex- leading. While leading. On a stock bike. On a stock bike. White, uh, white and, helmet. And borrowed gear, you know. <laughs> And the place just erupts. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And he, I remember him sitting in the pits with a bottle, just g- glowing. That was probably better than any trophy or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably could have lost the race, but as right. long as he hit that damn bottle, he was stoked. It's, it's, uh, you hear the stories and you're like, you know, I heard another one from Washugal where he mispracticed again. Or the story goes he had a chick in the box fan and he mispracticed and he still went out and won the first moto or something or barely made it to the line for the moto. It's just, you hear these things and you're like, you know what? That can't be true. But then you know yourself. You come on. You're like, I saw. I, I saw him. Yeah, that, that not one, I was there that right. day for practice. I was there the one for Geneva. You know, then the 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 last one that the Sweeney photo. Mike Sweeney posted something on Instagram about a picture, tell a story from a Southwick. Yeah, yeah. Where he uh, he he shows up. He he goes to his girlfriend's prom the night before. Yeah. And we're all at the pits in Cowie, you know, waiting for him, taking bets what time he's going to be there. <laughs> You know, yeah. and it's all every bet. Newmark responded to that too. Did yeah, you he see was that? there too. Yeah, 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 he was there because that's yeah. his home race. Right. You know, so he would have been around. Yeah, and he 
Ronnie. He said he beat all you, all the guesses. Well, he actually made it for practice. Right, we right. never expected he'd actually make. He's going to fly the red eye from San Diego to South Hartford, 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 Connecticut, yeah. and then drive that hour right. to get to the track. Yeah. And uh, and he made it there in time for practice. And um, I think what first or second that first moto. Yeah. You know, just things you remember. In you know, you're like and people tell tell you like, wow, I was there that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crazy. You shit. were in the original Krusty Demons of Dirt. First three. Yeah, you were in the original Moto Triple X. Yep. S&P, I think, disturbing the piece. Pioneer. It is funny because I don't know any tricks. And yeah. I, can, I can barely cross up. But you're just friendly, nice guy. I, Everybody liked you. I'm a talker. Right. I will make you laugh and do something do you, stupid. It's that time again. Thanks for listening to the Racer X podcast show. Brought to you by BTOsports.com. Presented by Thor MX. I appreciate it. Don't forget to click on the Amazon banner on pulpamex.com to help out pulpamex.com. We appreciate it. Listen to these commercials. Buy from these sponsors. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side. Stretch Podcast Show is brought to you by BTOsports.com. Whether you are looking for new gear, helmets, boots, or you need to rebuild your bike from the ground up, BTO is your source for all of your motocross needs. As a proud sponsor of the BTO Sports KTM race team and the heart of the BTO Sports amateur motocross team, it is obvious that we are about more than being just a store. We support the sport that supports us. us. We at BTO Sports want to give back to you, the listener, for supporting us and the Racer X Podcast Show. Use coupon code Pulp MX when placing your order at btosports.com for a VIP listener discount. Certain brand restrictions will apply. For 2013, JT Racing enters its next generation with the all-new Evolve Light, ProTech, Enduro, and Limited Edition collections, taking quality and innovation to a whole new level. Also available in youth sizes, each collection is built with high-grade materials offering its own unique characteristics to meet the demands of today's riders, both recreationally and competitively. To find a dealer or view the entire collection online, log on to JTRacingUSA.com. Championship proven. Many motocross apparel brands make that claim, but only Thor can back it up. As America's first motocross apparel brand, Thor has set the standard for delivering the highest quality performance racewear on the market for the past 45 years. With champions like Ryan Villapoto, Blake Baggett, and Dean Wilson, to name a few, our products truly are championship proven. To see all the new 2013 products, visit ThorMX.com or head to your local Thor Parts Unlimited dealer. Thor, the official racewear of Supercross. Who was worse for your career? Well, I don't know if this is a good... Let's just say who wasn't... It's good, I guess. I don't know. No, no. no. I, and I don't know if this really applies. Well, you're responsible for your own career, obviously. Yeah, and chicken or... Like, I'm thinking like Emig, but that was not really true. You know, I just enjoyed myself so much, and I enjoyed the people who enjoyed racing <laughs> as well, you know, as much. So you kind of gravitate to some of those people. Like, you know, RT liked to have fun, you know, uh, Tishner, um, yeah. Budman. You know, Fro and I, uh, we end up gravitating and being friends because of our, he was friends with Bud. I was friends with Bud. You know, at first, we yeah. didn't really like each other. Cause yeah, we, you guys were rivals, huh? We grew up racing yeah. together since the age of like 9 or 10, you know, racing the Midwest. We'd right. show up down on... You know, BFE Kansas and race, and it'd basically be four riders, me and Jeff. I've heard, I'm sorry to interrupt you, I heard from a few people 
that uh, Emig's success, three national titles, four national titles, I think. Did you got two 125s? One 125, two two fifties, two, okay, and a Supercross, so, I think. A Supercross title, four big titles anyways. I've heard from a few people that knew Jeff that that's as, as an unlikely of a champion as you ever thought. Like, he was good, but not that good. Now, do you agree with that? Or I, I don't know. I just heard that. You know, I, he flipped a switch. I mean, okay. there was a time there, you know, like literally, we grew up together. I was pretty much fashioning him sometimes. Sometimes he was fashioning me, and then we turned pro, and it was still, you know, he was a better, little bit better starter, sometimes faster outdoors. I think I was faster in Supercross. Yep. And then I got hurt that year he went on to sign with yamaha he was pretty much i think in a, i think he could agree he was kind of on a downward spiral not really a downward spiral but his career was not really turning out yamaha was, he wasn't doing as yeah, well after yamaha. he won his 125 title which i mean let's no face no it. before he won 125 oh, okay. title. this is before he wasn't really performing at yamaha yeah he really wasn't doing that great in supercross outdoors he was doing decent and then he won red bud yeah and his whole entire career i think he would say to this day changed he went out went one one that day yeah. And he went, holy shit. I can do it. I can do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and he even, you know, when he talks, when he does his radio or TV stuff, you know, he talks about confidence and getting that ball rolling. Does he ever? <laughs> and, does he ever? And uh, I Mindset, think, confidence. That's one of the things that he, I think he's he's pulled from himself, you yeah. know, and, and he did. He just started on a roll right there, went on to win the championship. And then once you know you belong. Did you, you feel like the year before when you did TV, maybe you didn't? Talk enough I uh, that's, a, that's a touchy subject. I still like busting his balls about that. I enjoyed doing the TV. I, I think. Are I, you, were you really pretty pissed at him though? Like, oh, did you I feel was pretty like, pissed. Yeah. I, I sent out a dumb email when I was uh, Thanksgiving while I was home. We had some drinks with some buddies. Came home. Um, was pretty. I got into emails. We were on an email chain. Okay. Like probably 30, 40 people. Yeah, yeah. With Fro and Davy Coombs and a bunch of the women, the girls were on there and stuff. And yeah. I, they were talking about something, and I, I post. I sent an email out that said something about. Uh, because I got a call, well, I, I was doing, I was 06, I was doing all the super crosses and stuff, and then I was waiting to get the call to do the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Well, are we doing this, are we doing this, we're not. And I talked to Fro, I talked to Fro probably once a week. Yeah. And uh, Pete Richards called me and says, uh, you know what, we're going to go in a different direction. We're not going to use you for anymore for the TV stuff. And I'm like, what? Like, what yeah. direction are you going in? Yeah. Uh, we're going to go with Emig. I'm like, you're doing what? Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm like, oh. You had no idea that no Jeff clue. had wanted to do that. Well, no, I know he, he, had, oh, okay. he had tested in 05 for it. Oh, okay. Okay. And um, I was at, that's when I was doing Arena Cross announcing with Robbie Floyd. We'd fly down to Atlanta and do, uh, you know, pre tape freestyle shows and Arena Cross shows. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, one of the times they're like, oh, hey, Emig's flying in. Uh, they're doing it. They want to do a demo for him, a demo reel for him to do Supercross. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, I want to do one. I'm doing. I've been doing <laughs> yeah. TV already the last two, three years yeah, with yeah. Arena Cross stuff. I want to do one, so they pulled one up, and uh, I did. I think it's Salt Lake City or I think Volman one or something. Yeah, Robbie yeah. Floyd did the color, the main, and I yeah. did the color, or whatever. And they liked it, and I think that next year I did about three rounds or four rounds with Todd Harris um, and with uh, Cameron Steele. Cameron, yeah. And then the next year I got the full gig. So as far as I knew, I you know it's pretty rare that they let you go after one year or so. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of did it my way. I wasn't real corporate. You know, I'd usually sometimes be sitting up in the booth in my jeans and T-shirt yeah. and take off my – has a little bit of ass-kissing to that. Yeah, aspect. and I'm not real good at that. Yeah. I'm not – never been real good at that. You know, yeah. I think one week I might even had a beer in the booth. You know, <laughs> I just – you know, I enjoyed it. I, for me, it was just casual talking about what yeah. I know about. Yep. So, and that's yep. what would, made it easier for me. And so, yeah. So, anyways, this, in this email, I said I was pretty pipey and then mouthy and 
mentioned something pre derogatory about Jeff and uh, you know Oh you did. Kinda you know, but in a funny, smart ass way, yeah. like I would with my humor, but I kinda slammed him in attempt and it's, and, it's, and, it's, and Coombs, leave it to Davey, mentions it in Racerhead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that I'm not too happy about it and that yeah, yeah. uh and so I'm like, oh, wow, that's way to go, Dave. Just throw it right <laughs> on the bus there, buddy. Take a nice private moment and just, you know, just make it worldwide known. Uh, I can relate. So I can I, relate to yeah, that. Yeah, so I I've sent, done that. I sent out an apology. You know, that's that same email group. And, yeah. and I got a lot of emails back saying that was pretty funny, Denny. You know, that's ha-ha. Yeah, right. You know, we're all friends here in a sense. Yeah. And so I apologize saying, you know, hey, Jeff's like a brother to me. You know, I, I'm going to bash him like I would a brother. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I apologize. I probably should have kept this a little bit more private. Right. Uh, didn't mean to send out to a 40-person email chain. But uh, – <laughs> And so, you know, but him and I, you know, I consider him one of my best friends in the world, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, I, I'm very proud of what he's accomplished in that sense. You know, I remember back in the day, the boy couldn't even, you know, put a sentence together with, right. his, with his stuttering problem and stuff. And I know he's worked hard at it and, and there he is today. But yeah, I, um, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun when I did it. Did you get along with Bradshaw when you raced? You know, I, my very first time I raced at Ponca City was 1982 and I raced Damon. He would have been eight. I would have been 11, I think. And we raced a 7-Eleven novice. So, and Damon's a factory Yamaha rider. I'm basically... Even back then he was. Yeah, I'm a podunk yeah. kid from Omaha. You know, I, right. I, I was winning locally, and we had a good family friends and named were the Polines, and Cliff and Mark, and their family would take them to Ponca every yeah. year. Yeah, And they're like, hey, you know, this summer's coming up. You should take Denny down there. He'd probably do pretty well. Right. So, my family, I had one bike, a stock bike. And, and so, I had uh, basically just one bike, a stock bike, and uh, a friend of ours... Another family, there was, uh, was an only son. I was the only child. And so our families rode, drove to all the qualifiers for Ponca City in a black van with two mini bikes and four adults and two kids. Basically, two adults in captain chairs and yeah, four yeah. people in lawn chairs. Right. Drove all around the Midwest to qualify. Went down there, won, both, won by Heat or my division, went to the finals against Damon. And I remember uh, sitting on the start line getting ready to you know, freak out. I'm like, holy crap, this is probably one of the biggest, coolest moments of my life. Yeah. And my dad's over talking to Damon, and Damon's just laying on the crossbar talking about, you know, last week he was riding with Brock and Ricky. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think we're going, I think, you know, I, yeah. I think we might be going to Florida after this. I don't know. And he's just yeah. like, you know, this meant really not that big a deal. Like he'd been there before. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I beat him then. And, uh, and so, you know, our families kind of become fans of their, their, their families. Uh, yeah. You know, Randy and those guys like to, like to drink beers. Yeah, my yeah. mom and dad like to drink beers. Yeah. And, <laughs> You know, the Matasvitches, they like to drink beers. And uh, that's kind of – our families kind of hung out together a little bit. I remember down at the Winter Olympics down in Florida, me and Damon and uh, maybe Numac yeah. um, taking water balloon slingshot out to the freeway and shooting them at cars. <laughs> Good times. You know, um, yeah, so growing up, we were friends. And then once Damon became Damon – he had to hate everybody. Yeah. And that, let's be honest, I really wasn't much of a competition for Damon at this point. No, no he, Damon told me on a podcast that um, uh, as soon as he realized that he didn't hate everybody, he knew he had to quit racing. I'm like, what? He's like, I like Dubok a little bit, and that's about it. Right. Like, I'm like, wow. He he did, man. And now he just, you know, I didn't speak to him anymore, really. You know, I, I we'd bullshit, you know, as you would on the line or something or walk yeah. by. But uh, we were definitely not any type of, of friends. And then, you know, later in life, he came back through around to Arena Cross. And it was really funny because, you know, yeah. we had known each other for a long time. So, obviously, there's there's a, a, a mutual respect there mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, his wife and uh, Michelle became friends and stuff. And Michelle was doing the Arena Cross stuff. And right. uh, so, we became friends with him. But as Damon – in the very first race, Damon showed up to Des Moines and didn't qualify for the first night. Right. Didn't make either main. Either main. And yeah. I think he was even like, ah, fuck, you know, this is pretty tough. Yeah. 
and then he started getting better and faster yeah. and winning. And here, com- and then here comes the dick. Oh yeah, Damon he started, started becoming a dick. <laughs> you know, even Michelle's like, man, he's a completely different person on the podium. He's got no personality. He's just frowning. I'm like, that's, Dude, that's... the beast is back. <laughs> you know. And then that was when he was riding a two-stroke, and Demuth was riding a four-stroke for yeah. 250F at the time. They threw Damon on one, and that's when he ended up crashing and breaking his leg. Oh, that was a nasty crash. Yeah, oh. he swung wide there on that. I think it was Rockford, maybe. Yeah. And uh, clipped a tough block with his foot. Yeah. And just Dude. spot Superman in the ground. So um, uh, the Arena Cross series. So you 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 your ninety-one season sucked. Number twenty-three on a Suzuki full-time two fifty guy. Didn't go so well. wasn't too bad. I mean, oh, okay. I mean, it wasn't great. I yeah. think I ended up 91. I ended up uh, 11th or 12th. Oh, did you? Okay. In Supercross, I think 7th or 8th in outdoors. What did you do in 92? Uh, came in national number 11, which was my highest oh, number. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were 11 and then 91. Okay, yeah. 91, I was 23. Okay, 27, right. 23, 11, not, I think. Not, okay, so yeah, that was a decent year. 92, you, you Well, I took, I took that whole year off or six months off with the cast in, in the end of 91 okay. into 92. And I just got hurt a bunch. You know, I just, I think I broke my leg. In 92, number just 11. Just kind of just started breaking yeah. bones. Once yeah. a year, I'd get do something stupid. So 93, what do you do? 93, I think I'm still, you know, Sugi's still giving me bikes okay. and parts. He's still kind of struggling along. And, and let me keep my bikes. You know, I think that we had, I think by, I think we bought the box van. Right. You know, they weren't giving me a box van anymore. I think the bikes were going down a little bit. I mean, they were still supporting me. Yeah, yeah. Pat, Pat Alexander was a great friend of mine. My, I guess what, what I'm getting to is, uh, all the way, 96, you, you started to stop racing. You raced Supercross, and you didn't race any Nationals in 96 on the Great Western team. Yeah, that's Did cool. you immediately jump to Arena Cross? You know, I, uh, you know, I quit racing midway through the season. Yeah. Um, as we've talked about, you know, that just, I, I just got tired of spending money. The outdoors was tough. I'm just yeah. – I'm burned out. Um, but all I, the way – And they were uh, trying to get me to race Arena Cross. Uh, okay. Dave Alec was from Tough. Uh, okay. Was always trying to kind of throw that out there. Hey, yeah. there's a whole other world going on over here. Maybe you should – and I, you know, from the Midwest. Yeah. Tough is an Illinois Midwest right. company. Uh, known Dave for years and my dad and stuff. So they're trying to get me to come do a cro- crossover, and I kept putting it off. You know, kept wanting to ride Supercross, kept it going. And then, and I'd done some arena crosses in the past. Um, broke my finger one time or smashed my hand. I think I was still racing Supercross. I went to Lincoln to race on a Friday night. Yeah. Oh and, yeah, you told me. Yeah. Yeah, I want to go yeah. to San Diego the next Suzuki day. Suzuki said, "Do not do it. Don't do it." I did it. Uh, went and raced arena cross at Des Moines one year. Second lap of practice over the bars broke my leg, and so I'm like, I don't know if I really want to go through this a full season. Yeah, I can't yeah. survive one night of it. Yeah, yeah. And um, so when '96 come around, I'm, I basically had done quit riding. I was racing some sporadic supercrosses that Eric Hilton had put on. Um, I was riding an extreme Yamaha that they would let me borrow for a couple rounds, and then they made me an offer to come race arena cross. And the biggest, dumbest thing I got said a thousand times is I, I'd say, Hey bud, let's go race arena cross. Yeah. But this was, I guess, were you ever out of the sport or not racing or did you transition right into arena cross? Yeah. I went right to arena okay. cross. Yeah. So 96 you, was my last yeah. year. And then, and then I, 97 you started 96. Um, you know, Des Moines was always yeah. in October Halloween so weekend. So that. I was only off a couple, you know, literally away from the sport. Not really, really at all. A couple months. Theoretically, had arena cross not come along you were done you were getting a 95 job pretty much in 97 98 i whatever. actually had interviewed with arnett to with mike snips mike parsons okay to be the rider rep for the, at the race for arnett yeah. for yeah, arnett yeah. goggles yeah. obviously fro was an arnett Frill guy was, they were yeah. just breaking into the sport right um i went down there and interviewed with them and was like hmm, i mean i might move out here and just get in the industry and just quit racing you yeah. know kind of burned out on it 
And so the Renocross thing really was a second win, like a huge second. Oh win. yeah, I can see. You know, it's yeah. a full second life for yeah. sure. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it definitely. Were you, if you don't, if you don't mind saying, what was the peak number of dollars you made, like in a year racing that racing a Renocross? Yeah, like, well, my best year you were was Renocross only. I mean, I really didn't take it that serious. Obviously, um, we enjoyed ourselves immensely. Budman took it a little bit more serious than I did. <laughs> Um, immensely immensely yeah i mean he was actually training and stuff and <laughs> he was actually training I mean, I, it was for me it was like a six month day seventh month of your job you know i show up and race 72 main events and 14 weekends or 17 weekends yeah. and we brought our dicks off but could you but could you not work the rest of the year i did nothing the rest right, of the year okay. i just sat home and maybe which is awesome yeah i mean it was crazy yeah i, I mean, mean did you make over 100 grand I was making anywhere from like probably fifty to hundred those first few years with, yeah, with yeah. tough, yeah. and then um, in eighty nine or not in ninety nine in two thousand, <laughs> all fighting together. Another blow of the head. <laughs> in two thousand is when uh, you know Billy Whitley had that the Primal Impulse Suzuki yeah. Arena Cross team, um, and so I Budman was over there. Budman been over there for like a year now or two years, and. Bob and Budman are our friends. But I know Whitley. I've raced mini bikes with him in the years. So he's like they brought me on with a, a good salary. And we went out and killed it. Budman yeah. had developed that bike that, you know, for Arena Cross, you definitely had to have a bike for that that yeah. series. And the bike was phenomenal. Fast. You know, they they put all their eggs in that Arena Cross basket. And we killed it. I think I won 19 main events that year. I almost, I lost the title, I think, by like three, four points. Yeah. And I think I made almost a couple hundred grand. You know, it was wow, good yeah, money, yeah. great bonuses. Yeah. You know, Suzuki was Which, really... like, if you think about it, like, you were done as a professional motocrosser almost. Like, you were I was, you I was were looking done. at something else. Yeah. yeah, completely. I was... You know, when I when I pulled off that track at Glen Helen. When Metzger passed you. For the second or third time, <laughs> I just said, you know, I was literally almost right. in tears with my dad. I'm like, you know what? I think we're done. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Mike Metzger and, just passed me. It's and... hot as fuck. It's like 113 degrees. These downhills are huge. <laughs> um, you know, I, and my mom, like I said, it was, it was hot. It was kind of my banker, my account at the time, telling yeah. me you're pissing away a lot of your money doing these stupid races. And you're not really. Yeah, you're not really you're not making anything. I couldn't. I think I had I, I jacked up my thumb earlier that year. I was like, you know, I'm tired of being hurt all the time. I'm tired yeah. of, of, of just doing this, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so the Reincross was a total blessing. You know, thank thank you to Dave Analek and Tough for yeah, giving me a shot. Yeah, yeah, And then. Oh, you got. Oh, oh, go ahead. Well, you guys loved it when the Supercross guys would show up, huh? And be like, oh, oh. Well, we, got, we got these guys on lockdown. Smoke them. Yeah. We just yeah. beat the shit out of them. You know? It'd be like, tough for. I remember Nick Way went, and he was a hot. He was, and, yeah. I mean, he was the guy. He, he and came he won a he won a main I think but overall he's like he would show up and he'd show up and do decent but he's you know we definitely try and push him around as much as we could yeah. and he Foss would show up and he was cool you know any of these guys would show up and they knew it was our you know we most of them were friends with him in a sense yeah. and uh, we, they knew it was our world and they knew we had a series going so they yeah. didn't really want to mess it up too much but we didn't care we want we were gonna make you look as dumb as we could because we we loved where we were and we felt we could beat anybody in that yeah, shit, you yeah, know? yeah. and you know Pingree would come up and stuff and nobody did that well. No, it no. was it was it was tough. It was our world, and you know, and a lot of those guys, whether they were even that big a name, were good at what they did. Yeah, you know? yeah. And and you know that and what they're trying to no, do today uh, um, is it Metcalf? Is it Nick? No. Nick Metcalf would be pretty fast. Willow was fast Willow, as shit. These dudes, you're like, yeah, George like, or not George Holland, Rusty Holland, Rusty Holland, Rusty, the other the second rollerball. Yeah, you know they were good at they did. They went fast. They sprinted. You know when you're when you're basically doing four straightaways and and, and turn around a barrel. Yeah. Let's be honest. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not brain surgery. Who was your your biggest rival in Arena Cross? As far as being like not. not I don't mean like guy you race, but 
the guy you had the most takeouts with, or the guy you wanted to kill, or the guy. Well, so like, yeah, somewhere we're going to talk to hopefully tonight, Jonesy on uh, oh, Jonesy, you know, yeah. the show tonight. It, he well, our rivalry kind of carried over from '90 a little bit. Oh, into the super into the arena cross. Well, you know, yeah, it's obviously, but yeah. it's almost ten years later, but we were still <laughs> banging bars, and he was one of the type of guys who you know you had to move people, and Jonesy weighed a good 180 probably. Yeah. I still weighed probably 140, 150. Yeah, and he'd take you and the barrel out. You know, he could always, it was a big orange barrel, and he'd just take it. And I, no matter how tight you got, he'd just go tighter and move everything. <laughs> and I remember I'd come into a corner as fast just as I could. move everything. And yeah. just hit him and literally just go and just bounce. Like, yeah, he wouldn't yeah. even move. Yeah. You know, he's like hitting a brick shit out of right. a brick wall. And, and Todd to hoop, too. Todd was a pretty aggressive guy. Yeah. Um, He was, you know, he was part of that Michigan Mafia. I think they grew up riding pretty aggressive as well. He'd rode some arena cross, I think, even back in the day. Yeah. So he knew how to ride it. Rusty Holland. That was kind of oh, my last Russ. race was at Cowie. Rusty knocked me down, knocked us both down two races in a row while we are in podium on the last lap. Just came and cleaned us both out. <laughs> I just had enough. So I went back to the truck. He wouldn't come out of his truck, so I just started knocking the bikes off the stands. Come out. We're going to fight. <laughs> really? We're going to fight. We're going to fight. All right, I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to start blocking every team bike off these stands until right. someone comes out to fight me. And so someone wants someone to wants to fight. And that was Billy's team, you know, and that's after I yeah. built his team. So yeah. and I'm now a Cowie guy with the uh, – um, this is not St. Louis Park, but this is actually a Team Green team now. This yeah. is 02 with Craig Martin, the team manager and stuff. It didn't go over well. We had, it became like a pretty big fight in the pits between oh, really? our team and their team. Oh, wow. and it was pretty dumb and pretty stupid as you look back on it at the time. You're just I'm like, knocking over a bike still. someone comes out of yeah, it. Just was, I'd had enough, Rusty. I, I want to fight were, you. Were you was it, I don't know if this story was a, a national arena cross or not. Jason Thomas and Bogard and, and that Frank was a, that and all. Was an Frank getting cross. beat down. Were you there? Yeah, I was at uh, Jacksonville. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me and I remember. Talk, okay, so that was a real national real arena national arena cross. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, JT's story sounds insane, a, dude. They're literally fighting on the track. I mean, we're going by every lap. Yep, they're still fighting. <laughs> and Frank was getting beat down, and Eddie Ray jumps out from the stands. And people were coming out of stands. Yeah, you know. And then I think even at the end of the night, um, Eddie Eddie Ray got into it again. Yeah, I think yeah. they were ready to fight in the pits and stuff. And uh, it was a lot of like that. We got in a fight at, at Denver Arena Cross, and I think my kid didn't like it, frowned upon it, but yeah, kind of gave me a thumbs up okay. in the background. You know, like yeah, let's make yeah. a, let's make a show out of this. Let's make it almost wow, a little bit really? of a spectacle. Was was Jacksonville the gnarliest one, or was it Denver? That was pretty gnarly. I mean, because it's going on during the race. Yeah, you know, so you don't even you're like, is this really happening? You know, <laughs> you're like, people right. are you're literally in, so you're actually dodging people yeah. down to start straight because the people are coming out of the stands now, <laughs> and they're just you're still racing. And then it was the one at Denver. Uh, I I think I'd won, and I you know kind of pumping my fist to the crowd. I'm good. I'm yeah. getting off the bike, and I see Grayson Goodman cutting lanes across. So I'm thinking, oh, we're friends. He's telling me the congratulations. He basically ghost rides his bike. I knocked him down on the way through the pack. Okay, I yeah. don't even remember right. it. Coast rides, and we're now fighting on on, on the, the track. Yeah. Here comes uh, my dad. Here comes uh, his mechanic. Remember uh, Wyatt Seals? Wyatt. Yeah. Here comes Wyatt. Uh, here comes the flaggers. Here comes Mike kid. Here comes Gary kid. Here, you know, it's we're fighting on the track. I have a broken finger from that. I oh, snagged his jersey. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so we got to get that. We, everything breaks up. I don't even know what the hell he's mad at me about, yeah. you know. And uh, we got to line up for the two. The crowd's class. going nuts. Crowd's, crowds just love yeah. it. The other one, they're yeah. just cheering on. Right. You know, it's, it is a spectacle at this point. And so then we got to line up for the two. class. Yeah. And that's what happened at, at Denver. We had to line up for the two. class. That's where everybody separated their ways. And, as I'm lining for the duty class, Mike comes up and goes, you're it's on. Like, hey, you're, it's time to race. Okay, everybody stops. Yeah, stop yeah. Everyone stops stop, in like mid-fist. Yeah, stop the WWE moment. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, so then Mike, I couldn't race. They wouldn't let me race the duty class that night. And then I actually had to apologize. And 
that's I was pretty good at kissing ass at that moment and trying to get back in the series. They were trying to kick me out of the series. They were stuff. really, yeah. But Which, but wait a minute, you're leaving something out because. There's no way they want to kick you out of the series for Grayson Goodman goes starting the fight. You know, but this was, I think, when it was more AMA involved. Okay. This was when Mike had gotten bought out, I think, and Mike okay. was just running the series at this point, and it wasn't really the Mike Kidd series necessarily. You know, yeah. prior to those years is when it was Mike's series. I'll do whatever the hell I want to do. I have no, I don't care. I have nothing. It doesn't look bad for anyone. Yeah. You know? But here, this is now an AMA-sanctioned event. Okay. Let's try and run a little bit more. And it happened in the pits. It was just a dumb, stupid deal. So, Cowie was not happy with me. I think I only had a couple races left for that season, and that's pretty much when I wrapped up the season. And they had suspended my dad. They weren't going to allow him. To, they, he was no longer my mechanic. Wow. And Cowie had fired him. That's when uh, I rode the last two races with just random mechanic. My, Matt Byton showed up at Oakland to help me be my, oh, yeah? be my mechanic. I didn't know Matt was <laughs> yeah. at all. just some young kid. Some of the other kids, uh, the guys knew him. Like, hey, I got somebody who can work on your bike this weekend. I'm like, okay. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty much just riding out these last couple rounds. Yeah, yeah. And There's uh, not much to do in Arena Cross for bike maintenance anyways. Yeah, clean the tire marks yeah, off. Yeah, really. Yeah, just just make sure the levers aren't broken when you clean someone out, and uh, <laughs> let's go back and race. So, yeah, I mean, but it was like you said, it, it gave me a whole new lease on my career. Um, I loved it. It was fun. You know, we were the big fish in the little pond there for a yeah. while. Um, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's crazy to think back though. Like, yeah, just... uh, but I, I don't understand. You know, the theory of what they're doing today of making it the race to chase for arena cross to run supercross. Uh, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can understand they're trying to promote it and give them, it's, I think that's a way for them to promote the series, give them more right. extra attention. Cause it seems to be kind of fading. Um, you know, no disrespect at all. Cause Tyler Bowers is a badass. Yeah. I, I totally have respect for Tyler, but he's still racing and beating Jeff Gibson. And you know, the guys that you're beating that I was racing. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years ago. So, um, you know, I think they're trying to obviously draw some new blood in, but I, I don't think there's any crossover at all. I think arena cross is such a different, the track is a different yeah. beast. I, well, I think, too, uh, moving it away from the starting in November was terrible. Terrible decision. Des Moines was a huge... That was where the off-season is where you got all the attention. That's where, the, yeah, all the magazines Nobody cares up. when Anaheim comes. Supercross, yeah, every, all the Cycle News is there, all the media right. guys are there, all the sponsors are there. Yeah. You know, I agree. And, and it was a big race, Des Moines. It was, I think it sold out, so I'm not really sure. You know, they want it to fit in this kind of neat Supercross mold, but yeah. it's, it's really not. It, it is a spectacle, and yeah. I think you got to treat it as such almost, but... You know, I don't know. They're doing the best they can, and I don't follow it any longer. It's it's a much different beast than I than I than I was a part of. So, if they had an Arena Cross Hall of Fame, though, you might be in there. Well, I sure the fuck hope so. Let's be honest. <laughs> wow, uh, you Budman. Well, Gaddis, you know, Gaddis and Buell were crushing it before. Yeah, Demuth, Hawthorne. Hawthorne, She's Hawthorne a, ruled it for. Hawthorne was a beast before Renard. I think won it when he was like yeah. sixteen. Right. You know, it definitely. Uh, that's another guy that would show up every now and then. Renard would show up every now and then. Yep. It was a different deal. You know, you go up and race the New England guys. You know, Keith Johns would show up. Treadwell would kind of come out every once in a while. Um, I think Dowdy would even come out every once in a while. So, in Worcester. Worcester. Worcester, Mass. Worcester. Yeah, we had fun there. One night we got, we got pretty belligerent drunk after the race and tried to throw everything we could out the hotel window. <laughs> Everything you could. everything we couldn't that window wouldn't open up far enough we couldn't get the TV out but everything else went out the window. <laughs> Do you feel like uh, you had a pretty good time when you raced, even when you were a factory pro rider? Yeah, I mean I enjoyed. Had the, you buckled down? Should you have buckled down more? You know, I, I mean, think really one of the aspects ba- is having you know my dad was a huge part of my racing growing up obviously any father is yeah. and you know he's the one to pick me up from school every day you know it took me riding it's when i always went practicing with him. and then once he went on the road i'm home kind of alone now yeah 18 19 years old in cali too sometimes sometimes yeah. in cali you know and i'm like oh 
you know, and that's kind of a childish thing to say, but yeah, I kind of lost that. I didn't lose the drive, but my coach who was yeah. there all the time, yeah. you, know, kid, yeah. you know, so now I'm on my own. I'm up to myself to do these things. Yeah. I never was a big weight guy. I was always, you know, pretty skinny. Right. And I, I think that's a firm belief in what Stan said. There's, 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 Man strength and boy, yeah, boy strength. strength. And I pretty much had boy strength. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And I think when you get on 250, you got to be a bad son of a bitch and be able to move that bike around. And yeah. I, you know, I started getting into training a little bit um, when I lived with Chicken, with Spencer and stuff. They t- took me under the wing, kind of gave me a, a weight program. But I just felt tight on a bike. You know? And then yeah. when you're traveling every weekend, I just got away from it. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think it, I think it would have benefited from what these kids, some of these guys have today from having – yeah, someone I, there kind of telling you what to do. I'm, I'm better when someone was kind of telling you what to do. If I was left on my own, I was kind of like, uh, I'll go ride. I think there was a lot of guys, like I said at the beginning, Kalos, yourself, Tishner, uh, that fell through the cracks that had a lot of talent and just never had any guidance. Budman, you know, we talk about Budman being Suzuki investing right. 10 years into Buddy Antonis to be the next guy. I mean, we can't all be, you know, Mike LaRocco in a sense, you know, that right. was just, just self-driven like that. I think yeah. I had so much talent. Everything came so easy. I felt like, well, I just keep riding, keep practicing, keep doing motos. You know, I didn't. I didn't. Definitely didn't have a riding coach. Yeah. I, I felt I knew it all yeah. in a sense. I know. You weren't I mean, even nobody in the throttle. Yeah, right. I mean, silly <laughs> things like that. That I mean, these guys are now still benefiting and almost reinventing themselves as Tiger Woods is reinventing his golf stroke. Yeah. Or, you know, RG three's got to learn how to throw off his back foot, some of his front foot. Like I think yeah. we had felt like we'd mastered the actual riding part of it. Yeah. I could maybe learn from training, but that was. I felt like that was it. I felt like I should. I could go as fast as anybody for a few laps, but I just wasn't strong enough, and right. I never really did much to to to, 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 to benefit. That. And then yeah. once I was hurt, you're then chasing injuries. Yeah. You're yeah. just constantly chasing your tail. You're coming back too soon. I think that was one thing my dad always got me going quicker than I probably should have. Yeah. And then you're coming out riding tentative, creating bad habits. Then you're losing that, again, that confidence to knowing, yeah. okay, I'm the baddest ass guy on the start line. Now yeah. you're like going, I'm in a heat race. I'm counting back to fifth or oh, sixth. Yeah, you're right like, now. I should be able to make top five. Yeah, you know, and you, you just lose that and. Then you just start becoming an also ran, you know, a, a decent one. I felt like I had a good career, yeah. but I think there's definitely could have been a more uh, an, a, improvements. I you think know. there's guys, there's guys like uh, Shea Bentley, uh, Jimmy Gaddis, uh, J Law. Um, there's guys that have won 125 Supercross titles. Uh, did Turpin ever win one? I don't know if no. I don't know if he did. He might. He might have. I think he. I don't know if Ronnie did. I think Turpin. Tishner did. Did Tishner? Yeah, Tishner did. For sure. I know they battled, but. I wouldn't put you in the category of those one and done guys. Like we're gonna, that's gonna be an upcoming magazine feature at some point. Right. We're gonna look at like who 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 won these titles to hoop. I even I wouldn't put to hoop in that thing. He had a probably pretty good he had career. A long career. Yeah, and no. I think I don't think you're one of those guys. You know what I mean? But you know, because I think you I, had good luck and you got a good. I mean, you're you know making money in arena cross. And you know, then, I, I rode nationals. I think I, I, that's why I enjoy the vault. It's always enjoyable to kind of go back and see what did I, did I really build up my career? Or did I actually have a decent one? You know, yeah, yeah, I'm like yeah. I had some pretty decent. You know, I think I ran. You know, I think I was eight. I think I got top ten in one twenty five points. You know, three four times yeah. and stuff. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Supercross. You know, I was I was hurt here and there, but I had some decent finishes and which I think validates your title, your Supercross title. You know, I don't think right. Shea Bentley, Jimmy Gaddis, J Law, J Law won uh, a moto, which I guess you never did, but. Still, I don't feel like those guys, and there's more off the top, off the top of my head. I can't think of any, but there's more guys that won a one twenty five Supercross and then just never did anything, right? You know, like I mean, nothing. Jimmy went on. Jimmy went on and crushed it in, in Supercross, or you know, he did a good year. He had a good run in Arena Cross yeah, there did as well. He, but, uh, you know, I I think he won a title. I think maybe did he? Yeah, I think he might have. Um, you know, he's a tough Cowie guy. Um, well, fine. We'll give Gaddis the, the. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it is. It's just, and, and at the end of the day, it is just a regional series. You know, it, it's. 
I, I think they're building up. It's a big deal, but it's not the, as big a deal as maybe some of the other stuff. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, only so, so many guys can win. It. You, know, you can only win with your hand, what you're given the opportunity to win. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think I had a pretty decent long career. You know, I look back at some of these guys today. They're definitely making stuff. I, you know, I'm just blown away, yeah. you know, what, yeah. what LaRocco's accomplished and Wyndham accomplished. And, you know, as we talked about earlier, that – Back in the '90s, you retired at '96, or that's it's 26 years old, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, crazy. Stanton was done at 26. Barnett was done at 25. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and and you think of those guys as older guys when they're retiring. You know, <laughs> yeah, I look at, yeah, yeah. When Bomber was riding a, a Cowie, you know, I'm like, what was he like 33 or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 24. And, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's just mind blowing because they were, you know, put in the time and the work. But obviously, you know, I think training. Not that they weren't training hard, but I think. There's this way to make the career last longer, and like you said, there's we talked about. There's only 12 to 15 spots, so you got to be looking for a new guy. Yeah, so you're you're, you're, yeah. you're almost willing to get rid of that legend to, just to bring in, to gamble to, on somebody gamble else. Gamble on yeah. that new young guy. Nowadays, uh, Martin Devos, you can just <laughs> go ahead and get fifths and you know and super costs and some top tens, and you'll just keep getting a ride. Right, which well, is fine, which is great. Why not? Good, you good know, if, it's, if it's available, yeah. yeah. Why not? You know, I, I, it sucks. It, it it does sometimes chew them up and eat them out, spit you know, them out. I, you know, but. Larry Ward got a factory ride twice. Timmy got a factory ride three times. Gotten lost it, got it back. Right. Well, they those they, days didn't happen in your in your era. Not really. And you know, and, and let's be honest. You know, I didn't. You know, Timmy put in the work. He, you know, and Larry put in the work. Yeah. And they were out there yeah. winning races, and they definitely deserved it. You know, even with Jimmy, I think Button kind of falling off the map a little bit. Yeah. After one twenty five days. Went to GPs for a year. Reinvented himself and yeah. stuff. You know, I just never, never got around to do. Got got that. Same, I not even opportunity. I had opportunities. It just never really worked out again. I just, you know, I kind of just slowly just, you just like I said, you start accepting results. They get a little worse. They get a little worse. And pretty yeah, soon yeah. you're like, they get a little more. Pretty injured, soon you don't want to get passed by Metzger. Right. And, and I and I say that with that most respect <laughs> to Mike because he is the godfather of freestyle, and I do respect the man. But some days you just feel like you shouldn't be getting beat by no, a certain guy. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And uh, at that time for me, that was one of those guys. Uh, thanks for doing this. See, I knew. I told you this time would fly by. I, I guess. Huh? Right. Uh, talking's never been really a problem. for no, us. No, no. It's good, good story time. And this was Amy after Stevenson. talking like an hour at lunch today. Yes. And an hour last night. Yes, exactly. Uh, no, not the, not the first night I picked you up. Oh, the first night was last night. Then you See, went MIA for like. You know, yeah. it was one long day. <laughs> like I said, I'm glad you're alive. Thanks for having because me. Because the, yeah. the the I, I, the message boards. Could you imagine today? Math has killed Stevenson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be like <laughs> Stealth Park. You killed Kenny. Damn right. <laughs> you killed Denny. Yeah. Well, I never, we'll never live the end of that down. Um, all right. Well, fantastic. Denny Stevenson, uh, we'll have you on the Pulp Show tonight. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, thanks for doing this story time with uh, Denny Stevenson. Uh, good times. And uh, thanks, man. BTOsports.com. RacerX podcast presented by ThorMX. Thanks. Thank you. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show brought to you by Racer X. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself that's it you know and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that you know that i was going to miss the daughter Ron machine until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying it's like being a dead horse i mean you know and i know from personal experience did anybody ever sit me down of course they did everybody did pro circuits mitch payton there's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. 
I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX on the iTunes Store to enjoy these and many more great podcasts. Stop, 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 stop.